So today we're starting a new series. You know, when if you've been paying attention to what we've been teaching this year, the series name changed, but it's really just a continuation because at the end, really at the core of it, there really is only one thing that we have to offer God, and that's our obedience. Yeah, it really is. There's only one thing we have to offer God, guys, and that's our obedience. And people say we offer God worship. Well, yeah, unless God told you to fast and you singing a song, then he doesn't want that, right? And I think that one of the things that people really miss about God, that if you go and you look, even with Cain and Abel, that the issue is, is that from the onset after Adam and Eve see, sinned, people wanted to give God what they wanted to give him, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, God is a father. So, you know, if you're a little kid, you know, when you were a little kid, no matter what you brought your parents, they typically said, oh, that's cute. Well, God doesn't do that. Right. God is like, no, you bring me um, the fruits worthy of repentance. You give me what it is that I'm asking for. Right. Yep. And one of the things that I love about the work that we do here is that we're constantly challenging people to offer God what he actually asked for. Mm -hmm. We see so many people who are disappointed in life because, yes, they love God, right? Yes, they come to church, but they don't actually give God what he's asking for. And then what ends up happening is they end up being disappointed because they don't get the things that God has promised. Mm -hmm. But if God says, turn left and meet me at the at the green um at the greenhouse right and you turn right and meet him at the blue house even though god loves you you're going to be disappointed Absolutely. right now we know that part of obedience is about what god does for us yes but as we talked about last week that's the last requirement yeah. that's the last thing it's what god wants to do in us mm -hmm. which he's already started that work when we accepted jesus yeah. we became new creatures right it's what god wants to do through Ooh. us. So how God wants to use our lives to impact other people and then what God wants to do for us. This series that we're starting today is really about the through us. The through us. The, this series is about the through us. We've spent a lot of time talking about the for, uh, the in us, when we said we're completing Christ, being filled with the spirit, right? And, and this ministry has spent a lot of time talking about the for us. This is the through us. Tell your neighbor, this is the through us part. And the title of this series is How to Live the Gospel. So I was asking Pastor Edwin yesterday, because I was, it's my turn. It was my turn to do the notes. Um, and, you know, unlike Pastor Edwin, I'm always at the last minute trying to figure out what I'm actually going to teach about. And so um, I'm, I ask him this question and I say, I say, you know, what do you think is really, you know, Ephesians 4 says that the work of the fivefold ministry is to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, mm -hmm. Right. What do you really think is the work of the ministry? And he says this thing that I wrote down and, uh, and you guys really should think about it. <clears throat> he says, most people are going to run into someone who claims to represent Christ before they actually meet Christ. Therefore, it is extremely important that those of us who represent him actually live the gospel. Now, I want everybody to take a deep breath, share the broadcast, and I'm going to read it to you again. Yeah. Most people are going to run into someone who claims to represent Christ before they actually meet Christ. 
Therefore, it is extremely important that those of us who represent him actually live the gospel. Now, you can look all around almost on any given day on social media and people say things like, I don't go to church because of people. I don't believe in Jesus because of people. I don't believe in this because of people. And it constantly comes back to years ago, you preached a message and the message was, what am I going to say? If you cannot deliver, then do not advertise. If you cannot deliver, do not advertise. And I think that because we said a couple of weeks ago about how independent our gospel can be, our relationship with God can be, and we don't realize the whole body that our decision to live independently is actually interfering with people being able to see Jesus. Yeah, and it's not about perfection. It's and not. I, and I love that people like to deflect that, you know, when nobody's perfect. No, no one is perfect, but every born again believer ought to be emulating the thing they say they believe. And we live in a society where, where before we ever meet Christ, I'm willing to say 99% of the people before they ever meet Christ, meet someone who says they represent him. Yes. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you went to a McDonald's and or, or whatever your restaurant is, okay, let's we say I hate McDonald's, whatever your restaurant is, don't get caught up in that. But if you go to whatever restaurant it is, and let's say there's hundreds of those, but you go to 10, and if 10 of those have bad service, if 10 of those have bad food, what you say is that restaurant is terrible. Even though there may be 999 other establishments around the world that are wonderful. If the 10 you encounter, that becomes your reality for the whole thing. Here's a good example using McDonald's, mm -hmm. a perfect example. Where we live, most of the time, the ice cream machine works. Yes, it does. Most of the time. Almost always. Almost always. Our ice cream machine works. Yep. But I know hundreds of people on social media Absolutely. that describe McDonald's as being known as having an ice cream machine that doesn't work. Absolutely. Now, when you think about what you're saying, don't advertise if you can't deliver. When I say I represent Christ and I don't operate in integrity, yeah. I sin just like everybody else. I cuss people out just like everybody else. Yeah. Then I become the reflection of Christ that makes people either say Christ is not real or I can come to him and live any kind of way, because heck you do. Yeah. Heck you do. It's a, it's a it's a serious thing. It's why God begins with the work in us first. Yes. He wants to do this work in us so that he can then do the thing through us for other people. But if we don't do the in us first, what we give people is not really him. Yes. What we give him is some representation we've all independently come up with about who he is, and no wonder the world is confused. I don't fault non-believers for not believing. <laughs> I, I, I question why there are so many of us in the body who refuse to stand up and, and live out the creed that we say we do. And that's not an indictment against anybody. I myself have been wrong before, right? This teaching is about, okay, how do we clean up our lives so that we can then become true representatives of Christ so that the people we meet in the future aren't meeting some watered down, some 
discombobulated version of who we say we're serving. Now, I want to tie, um, I want to tie character to the supernatural. Sure. So the Bible tells us that our assignment is to preach the gospel, to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Now, let's ask a real question. If you are at your job and you are constantly known as a messy person, you are constantly known as a person who is not a team player, who is gossiping, who doesn't do your share of the work, who is ever going to let you pray for them if they got a bad diagnosis, right? Who is going to trust you to cast the demon of depression out on them when they can see the demon of meanness on you? So we want to live a supernatural life. But our character is going to determine whether anybody even thinks we are worth allowing to let them pray for them. You know, and I push it even further. It's not it, that is true. And it's not even just about what, what they think about us. We are representing Christ. We represent Christ. It's, it's what are they going to think about Christ? Forget what they think about us. What are they going to think about Christ if we show up that way? You know, when you are a representative of the United States and you go to another country and you do something that's untoward, right? They don't think, oh, well, that's just Wait, that's what? That's untoward, something that's bad, something that's not good, something that is that is a, a, you know, a, this you know, just just terrible. Expensive words today. The point is is that if you do that, people are going to go, oh, they don't say, oh, that's just representative strictly. They go, oh, that's the United States. No, that's facts. That's, That's the United States. That's facts. So when you're out there and you're doing something uncourt in the to people, you just gonna keep saying. I just, I then, just then what happens? Then what happens is, is you become the person where they go. That's what God is like. They don't say that's what Sean is like. That's what Edwin is like. That's what Ralph and Chris and Chandra and Brenda and and Ito is like. No, they say that is what Christ is like. And so we have to remember this isn't about us or our reputation. We are representing someone else. We are representing someone else. And anybody who grew up in a family like mine understand that. My grandmother used to say to me when I would go out, she would say, do not forget you mm -hmm. represent me. And there were things I would have done as a teenager mm -hmm. that I did not do because I did not want to bring shame to her name. Mm -hmm. And in reality, many of us, if we tell the truth, we don't have any regard for bringing shame mm -hmm. to Jesus' name. That's the problem. We don't care if we bring shame to his name. Yeah. If, if I want to curse you out, I curse you out. If I want to mess with somebody else's man, I mess with somebody else's man. If I want to shack, if I want to get drunk, and I'm going to say this because I am a member of a divine non-organization. Most divine non-organizations, that's black Greek letter organizations, will not allow you to even consume liquor with your letters on. They, in the sororities, we say you cannot represent the sorority out here drinking and being drunk. But we, but then we say, hey, I'm a born again believer. It don't matter if I get turned up. I mean, so what? Because you know what? I'm just human and nobody can be perfect. But we totally overlook the scripture that says, be ye holy for I am holy. And because there's so much carnality in the body of Christ, we then use a scripture like Jesus turning water into wine to justify being drunk because we don't even know that that's not the purpose of the scripture right there. And so it's like, Everybody understands that in, in, if you work at a company, 
you are supposed to represent them in a certain way. If you're in customer service, you're supposed to represent them in a certain way. If you're in a family, you're supposed to represent them in a certain way. If you're in an organization, you're supposed to represent them in a certain way. We are in the family of God, the kingdom of God. And when people look at us, they should see our God. We need to live the gospel. We need to live the gospel. So let's jump into this, right? I want to read his quote one more time because I want you to think about this and ask, and I want you to tell me what you think when you hear this. Most people are going to run into someone who claims to represent Christ before they actually meet Christ. Therefore, is it, it is extremely important that those of us who represent him actually live the gospel. Now, what do you think about that from a personal level, right? Because our charge is to actually live the gospel. Well, what is the gospel, guys? Mm -hmm. The gospel is the good news that God sent his son Jesus in the form of flesh to deal with the way sin separated us from him. Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected so that all who believe in him could be born again and filled with the Holy Spirit to go into all of the world to show and tell that the kingdom is here. So what we joined when we accepted Jesus, we joined a lifetime of show and tell. Jesus said to me, one, the Holy Spirit shared with me one time, we, I was I don't know why I was praying about it, just, you know, just communing with the Holy Spirit. And literally, he, it, it, this is what I heard, that we are a part of a liberation coalition. Ooh. That, that our job, just like Jesus came to set the captives free, our job is to be his representative in the earth, letting the captives know that freedom has come. In the same way that we know the story, uh, you know, that we celebrate Juneteenth, right? And how it was, it was, you know, a time later before all the slaves realized they had been free. Mm -hmm. There are still people living in bondage when, when Jesus has already set us all free. Oh, that's good, babe. Part of our job to live out this gospel is to be a part of the liberation coalition, to let people know that they have been set free. What does that mean? It means look at what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. It's about our elder brother, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. It's about our father who, who sacrificed his only begotten son, who willingly went to the cross and died for us for all of our sins so that he gets to go back with the father, that we get to be here in the earth and represent them. We, we it's, it's so you know, the, the Queen of England passed away and, and it's, it's just interesting to me to read about all of their protocols. So yes. I've been reading about all the different protocols and different things. And they were talking about King Charles now. Right. And when King Charles can't do a particular thing, there are only nine people in the entire royal family who can step in and serve as his embassy. In other words, there are only a certain number of people who can represent him. But think about what Christ did. Christ allowed Jesus to die on the cross, forgive us for all of our sins. He goes to hell. He strips hell of all of his power. He comes back. He gives the keys of authority to us. Jesus goes back and sits at the right hand of the Father. And now God says, all right, I'm going to take care of heaven. Y'all take care of the world. Y'all represent me. Represent go, me. Be my emissary. Go where I need to go and let the people know that I have set them free. Let the people but know no that one I've believes us if we don't live like it. 
And I know we keep talking about living like something, but it's true. We have to get this thing in our hearts to say, you know what? I'm going to live out this gospel message in everything that it entails. That is so good. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 5 as our central text today. And it's out of the Amplified version. And so I'm going to read Ephesians um, 4, 1 through 5 in Amplified version. It says, so I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you that you live a life worthy of the calling to Mm. which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, character. moral courage, Mm. personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing one another in unselfish love, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Mm -hmm. There is one body of believers and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one father of us all who is sovereign over all and working through all of, working through all and living in all. Now, I want to go back to, I believe it's the second verse where it says, oh, it's the first verse. So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you Mm. to live a life worthy worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm. So then the question becomes, do we live a life Mm. that is worthy? And how do we live a life? that is worthy, right? He says, live this life. And then in the Amplified, it tells us what this life looks like. It is a life that exhibits godly character. That's it. So part of living a life that is worthy of the calling is I give up the right to represent Sean. I no longer represent Sean anymore. My job is to represent my God with godly character. And I don't get to determine Come now, on, I know what, what you're good to say. character is. Come on, because it's been defined for me. It's been defined as God's character. As God's character. So I don't care what society says, or how it changes, or how it moves, or what we decide to go up or down or left or right with. It says godly character. So if I want to know the character I'm supposed to be displaying, I don't have to even look to you. Come on, I don't have to look to my friends. I don't have to look to my family background. I look to God for what is that character like. But if you think about it, when we talk about, because in in the last series, we talked about, you specifically talked about God telling you to do what he told you to Mm -hmm. do, regardless to what I did. Even though God didn't say it to you that way or to me that way, what he said is I'm developing godly character in you because your behavior cannot be determined by what other people do. To reiterate, because if he doesn't do that in us, then the through us can never be done. Yes. So he has to develop that in us first. And that's what we've been talking about and leading up to this idea of God is doing something in us. And he's doing it because he wants us to be able to be quality representatives as he begins to do the thing through us for other people. That's so good. 
This is such a good teaching. I, so, I have to say, I, I don't know if you're going to go to that part yet, but I love when he talks about, um, there's a part in there where he- Just go there now. He's just, he just talking about maintaining self-control. When I read that this week, I thought, man, that is a thinking feeling cycle. Oh, maintain hmm. self-control. Maintain that, self-control. That is the thing. You know, we talk about TFC all the time, but that is the thinking, feeling cycle. He says, listen, I'm going to develop these things in you, but there's a part you play in this. And the part you play in this is maintaining what kind of control? Self-control. So not God control. Not, 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 not I, I, if God don't want me to cuss him out, he better close my mouth. No, you close your mouth. You practice that. And you close your mouth because you are committed to living with godly character and not dishonoring the person you say you represent. That's Absolutely. good. That's Absolutely. really good. Absolutely. That's good. Okay. So we're going to just cover four things out of this scripture. Now, next Sunday, we're going to be doing healing, um, doing healing school. But the weeks after that, we're going to come back and literally walk through walk the book through. of Ephesians, yep. Ephesians four. We're going to, so you can prepare. We're going to walk through the entire chapter of Ephesians four. Right, but today we're just going to cover, we may get to all of them, godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. Those are the four things we're going to cover today. Godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. All right? So um, I'm going to do the first one, godly character. Let's define godly character, guys. So the first thing we're committed to do that shows that, that that expresses that we are thankful for our salvation. How do we express that we are thankful for our salvation? And living a life worthy of what we've been called to. How do we live out this gospel? Yes. We exhibit godly character. Mm -hmm. Everybody put that in the comments. Exhibit godly character. Well, let's define godly character. Godly character can be defined as the ability to discern God's right way from the wrong and to voluntarily surrender mm -hmm. one's own will to do what is do right what is in right. God's sight and with the promise of supernatural help to resist wrong, even under pressure and temptation. Come Everybody, on. I'll just take off running right there. He says, wrong. it is the ability, first of all, to discern. Mm. What is God's right way versus the wrong way? Mm. Proverbs tells us there is a way that seemeth right, but ended in destruction, mm. right? So it says it's the ability to discern. How are we going to discern? The Holy Spirit is going to help us. Mm -hmm. The word is going to help us. The fivefold ministry is going to help us. The ability to discern. Because the first it. thing before we it. can ever resist, yep. we got to be able to discern. That's right. We need discernment. We let the word shape our discernment. We let the Holy Spirit shape our discernment. Mm -hmm. We don't let culture shape our discernment. We don't let the Supreme right. Court shape our discernment. Right. We right. don't let our friends shape our discernment. It is the ability to discern God's right way from wrong. Put this in the comments. For every situation, there is a right way. Amen. For every situation. For every situation, there is a right way. And if you deal with Holy Spirit, there's a right time. There's a right. He, yeah. he'll, give, he'll give you a right way and yeah. the right time because yeah. he, he, he is perfect in knowing exactly what to say and when to say it. Yes. 
yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Yes, for yes, every yes. situation. For every situation. For every situation, there, there is, is a right, right way. way. It is, is what God would do in that situation. Right I'm way. not talking about a permissible way. Right. I'm not talking about what other people would be pleased if you do a it. Culturally there, appropriate a culturally way. appropriate. Right. There is a right way and a right time. Amen. There is a right way and a right time. Let's go back to that definition. So it's the ability to discern. Lay your hands on your head and say, increase my discernment, Holy Spirit. Increase my discernment, Holy Spirit. Increase my discernment so that I know right from wrong. And then once I discern, now I'm going to voluntarily surrender my own will to do what is right in God's I love sight. that because God is such a gentleman. Even though he could, he does not make us obey. He just Sometimes doesn't. I think he should. I, 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 but, but his love is such that everything we do, he wants to. He wants love to be represented. And if, you, and if you lay, if you lord over someone in, in a demonstrative way, it, it's you, you don't know whether what they're doing is out of love you or are. out of fear. You and are. so I love that in every situation, he's asking us to voluntarily lay down our wheel and pick up his. So he says to voluntarily surrender. So this is what I do when I'm reading a script or definition or something like this. I say to God, where have I not voluntarily surrendered yet? That's what we asked last week. What area in your life is hindering you from obeying God? What have I not voluntarily surrendered now, right? Because I believe that one of the reasons that people struggle to keep up obedience is that you do it from fear or you do it because of desire for reward as opposed to doing it simply because you love Jesus. Yes, I agree. You simply, so I'm going to develop the ability to discern God's right way from wrong. I'm going to voluntarily surrender my own will to do what is right in God's sight. 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 <laughs> in God's sight. And, and some of it is you got to own that God's sight and your sight aren't the same until you've mm -hmm. been renewed. Mm -hmm. So there will be times that it seemed like the right time to say something, but the Holy Spirit told you to be quiet. There will be times it seems like it's the right time to do something, but the Holy Spirit said not yet. There'll be times that you want to strike back and the Holy Spirit says no. There'll be times that you want to withdraw and the Holy Spirit says no. So we need this discernment and then we have to voluntarily surrender. And I love this because we have promised supernatural help. Thank you, God. We have promised Supernatural I don't have health. to be concerned about whether or not I can do this or not because yes. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to do it on I my own. I have been promised supernatural health that when I make the decision to develop godly character, which is my ability to discern God's right way from wrong, and when I voluntarily lay down my own will and pick up God's will to do it his way, he says, I'm going to be there to help you. He is here. I've to already sent the paraclete, the teacher, the helper to, to assist you on this journey. We just have to make the decision we want to go on the journey. So he is a very present help. Yes. In the time of trouble. Mm -hmm. The very present help in the time of trouble. So we have promised supernatural help to resist wrong, even in pressure mm -hmm. and temptation. Yes. Say, Holy Spirit is my help. Holy Spirit is my help. 
He is. So a easy, a, 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 a more simplified way that I don't think gives the full meat, but it still, it, it still will hit the point. Godly character is consistently doing the right time, the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right season. I love it. My God. I love it. That's what godly character is. Say that again. Godly character is consistently doing mm -hmm. the right thing at the right time mm -hmm. in the right way mm -hmm. for the right reason. Yep. Selah. Selah. Right? So we're going to look at three things. Baby, you want to do number one? I'll do two and three. Sure. Or if we're going to, when we talk about exhibiting godly character, there are three things that, that must be present. Um, I like in this. order for us to be able to exhibit the type of godly character that we're describing. Number one, we have to hate evil and love God. We have to hate, we have to eschew evil. Anything that goes counterintuitive to what God has said, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how good it looks, we have to literally hate it. We have to love God so much that if God says left is the right way, we hate right. If God says right is the right way, we hate left. You know, we say it all the time. We love God and we and we and we, and we love what God loves and we hate what God hates, right? The Bible says in Amos 5, verse 14 and 15, it says for us to seek God and not evil. I love when it says that because I think about Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek ye first the kingdom, right? He says, so seek good and not evil that you may live. Now, he tells us why. Here's why you ought to be seeking after good and not evil so, you can so that you can live. And so the Lord God of hosts can be with you. He says, as you have spoken, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. He says, listen, one of the ways to ensure that God is going to be on your side is that you become a person who seeks who seeks good, not just to do good things, but you seek out good. What is good? It goes back to that godly character we were talking about. So it's important for us to understand that I have to, I have to say to myself over and over and over again, God, I love what you love. God, I love what God, you I love. love what you love. God, I love what you love. I love what you love. If you love it, God, I love it. You know, uh, we laugh and we joke about uh, the movie Coming to America when when the girl was getting ready to marry uh, the prince and he asked her about her eggs or whatever it was that she liked. And she said, whatever you like. That's literally how we ought to be with God. God, what are you? What God, God says, I like this. What do you like? Whatever you like. Whatever you like, God. I like what you like. I love what you love. If you say fornication is bad, God, I don't like fornication. You say adultery is bad, God, I don't like adultery. God, you say cheating on your taxes is bad, God, I don't like it. God, you say being stingy and not giving and hoarding money when you tell me to release it, then I don't do it. I don't like it. I love what you love and hate what you hate. I think that's so good because when you were, when you, as you said that, it just reminded me of my grandmother. And all my life, I just remember my grandmother just having these standards that were not culturally proper. Mm. I mean, they were not the standards of the culture. And I remember that my grandmother would be like, I don't care who your little boyfriend and girlfriend is, you won't lay up in my house. And my grandmother was so serious about it that she would not come to your house if you were a shacker. She was like, I don't lay with, I don't lay my head with fornicators and I don't let fornicators lay their head with me. And we laugh about this, that even once we were engaged, 
even my grand, we were engaged, and my when we would go to Fordyce, my grandma would say, Edwin, you go back there and stay in Sean's room, and Sean, you going up there to Pat House, because what y'all not going to do is be up here sneaking around in my house, because this is a righteous house, and this is a holy house, and I believe in truth in trying to be popular. We have gotten away from that, oh, and it's absolutely. like, oh, well, I don't want my kids to be upset with me, or I don't want my sister to be upset with me, instead of having a righteous standard that says, yes, I love you. But I love I, I really do love God more than I love you. And I'm not going to insult God to be in good standing with you. So what the enemy figured out really early in the last couple of generations is that if if, if he could get the church to see itself as being harsh for keeping a standard. Come on. Then. He could get the church to lower that standard. Mm. And as you lower any particular standard, the next standard falls. Come on. So the enemy figured out pretty quick that all he had to do was turn the church against itself. That all he had to do was to allow someone in the church to do something that was beneath a standard. And for the church to appear to be so loving that we accept it the lower standard rather than accepting the person, but denouncing the standard. And that's really how we've moved off of all of these things that used to be commonly accepted as wrong in the body. You know, it used to be wrong to say, Hey, you cannot be married and have another family on the side. That's now it's like, Oh, well, we just want everybody to come and be loved. I actually saw a church advertising. And, and I get what they were trying to do, but their whole advertisement was, you don't have to be a believer to go here. Now, I get it. What they're saying is you may not believe when you come, but if the idea is I don't have to be a believer to come here, then what are, what are we teaching to transform people into being believers? Now, it, it's the idea you can come how you want. You can come to FOC how you want, but you ought not stay the way you were when you came. There ought to be something in you that gets transformed because no man ever coming to Jesus was never not transformed. Well, and I think that this is so good. It goes back to something you said the other week because we were laughing at that TikTok where the people keep saying Jesus hung with sinners. No, he didn't. No. Sinners hung with Jesus and, then got and they transformed. And the other thing that's so dangerous about this standard right here is this minimization is that you cannot. Here's the thing. Everybody who Jesus healed and helped who was in sin. Go. Go. And sin. What? No more. No more. Everybody put that in the comments. Come out of what I got got you out of. And sin. No No. more. And people always laugh when I say this. But when the woman, when they was going to stone the woman um, who had been caught in adultery. When he go stone her and Jesus did not let them stone her. He wrote whatever he wrote in the dirt. He did what he did and he got free. He said, where are your accusers? He said to her, and I don't accuse you either. And then he said, you know what he said? Go ahead and go on back to Rabbi Jones' house. <laughs> go go ahead and go on back to synagogue leader um, Jefferson House. No, that's not what he said. He said, go and sin no more. And the problem is that in your position, 
where we're saying we don't want the church to be harsh because that's not what love is. Now we've created a standard that says, listen, love Jesus. Don't feel any conviction for sitting up in here living any kind of way. Don't feel any conviction. I literally was thinking about this the other day. The Bible tells us if we know we have ought against somebody, don't even bring our offering. Go and resolve this, right? Yep. And you will literally watch people that you know can't stand each other, both still preaching the gospel, never saying, man, we need to resolve this. And that's why I believe the first thing in godly character is that we have to hate evil and love good. We don't hate people. We want we all not. people to be rescued and redeemed. But and, and this is the other thing. Some of you have deceived yourself because you think that if you show some worldly standard of love without conviction, that you're going to get people to go, oh, my God, I'm living the wrong life. You're not you because Jesus lived as the standard, the way, the truth and the life. So we've got to hate evil and love good. And some of us could just repent right now. God, I am sorry for exalting my family, for exalting my friends, for exalting what is popular over what you said. I don't have the right I use this example probably twice a year. I say, what would you do if you came home and your mother-in-law or your, your, your mama was at your house while you went to work and you came home and she had moved all your furniture around and rearranged all your cabinets? And the truth of it is nobody would like that right. because you don't have the right to come in someone else's house and change the standard. And unfortunately, in the kingdom, we have tried to come in and change the standard. And no matter how many people change it, no matter how many people co-sign it, no matter how many people do it the wrong way, it doesn't change what God says. Mm -hmm. It just makes a whole lot of people operate in rebellion. Yeah. Now, so to help with one, which is hate evil and love good, you got to pay attention to the company you keep. Indeed. You must pay attention to the company you keep. First Corinthians 15 and three in the NIV says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There it is. There it is. You know, we talk about it all the time. Your environment is what? Always working on you. Always working on you. Sometimes people overestimate their own power, you know, and, and they, they try to go into these companies. And I don't mean organizations. I mean, they hang around with these group of, groups of friends um, and their idea is, oh, I'm going to let them see my light and, and, then, and then they're going to come to me. Why that's good thinking. You have to ask yourself, are you actually influencing them or are, are they, they influencing, influencing you? you? And if they're influencing you, then the Bible says, don't be misled. Your bad company, the bad company that you keep is going to corrupt your good character. You know, that's why we say Jesus didn't hang with sinners. Sinners came to seek Jesus and then he transformed them. But Jesus wasn't at the club turned up with them. Jesus wasn't involved in, in, in the selling of, of illegal substances with them. Jesus wasn't out running women with them. He wasn't doing those things. He was the standard and was saying to them, you don't have to live that way. You can actually live up here as opposed to living down there. And I think that's the deception. This is what Kim said. Be careful about who's influencing who. And many times we go in and we think we're influencing mm -hmm. them, but we're not influencing them because we're not a standard. Yep. We are bowing to whatever standard exists. There. And a lot of times they're waiting to see. They're waiting to see whether you say you're going to. They're waiting to see whether or not you're going to live by what you say or not. You know, and that's why I think people think it's odd sometimes when they get to hang with us 
off camera or they get to hang with us in some other situation and they're like oh y'all y'all act the same way you do when you off camera as when you on camera well yeah because if you don't then people don't take you serious you know so yes we have fun we laugh and joke but the same thing we're going to do on vacation when if we're in vegas we're going to do if we're in fanville there's no difference in what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be participating and it's so interesting because people have said to us, we thought when y'all went on vacation, y'all was going to turn up. Well, we do turn up. We just don't turn up in a way that we have to repent. We turn up the same way we would turn up anywhere else we would go. Anyway, down there at the Marlowe's on the deck, we're going to have the same turn up. Same That's what we're going to do. Right. And the truth of it is, is that many of you really can't be an effective witness because you live a double life. Yeah, two sets of friends. You you live a double life. You you're you're like two faced from Batman. That's exactly right, Kev. You, you, you flip the you flip the coin, and over here you cuss and you act the fool and you drink and and you, and you think it's funny to mess with other people's men's men's and mans. And over here you blessed and highly favored, and you live for Jesus and you sing on the praise team. And it ought not be so among mm, the saints. That's true. Now. Then you're going to hate evil and love good. You're going to pay attention to the company you yep. keep. And number three, you got to develop some perseverance. And wrap it a whole teaching on this. Oh, perseverance. So if you need an in-depth teaching on this, go back and listen to the refreshed Bible studies where this was taught. You got to develop perseverance. And you really have to, in Romans 5, 3 and 4, it says, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character hope. You got to know that in life, you're going to have to go through something. And you can't give in. You can't panic. You can't quit. You can't stop every time something doesn't go just the way you want it to do. You got to develop some stick to itness. You got to be able to have some tough skin. Yes, people are going to talk about you when you decide to do things the right way. Yes, you might lose some so-called friends along the way when you choose to do it God's way. But my goodness, stand up straight. Hold your shoulders back and pick your head up and decide that you'd rather be alone and with God than not with God and a thousand friends. I get so tired, literally, so of people who complain and, and, and cry about how don't nobody like them and they ain't got no friends. So what? Do you have Jesus? Are you doing it the right way? We can, You got to grow up up. And I had a conversation with somebody about that this week. Who cares about the number of friends you got? If you got to get friends by compromising Jesus, them ain't your friends no way. They just wait on the opportunity to talk about you. If you really want some friends, get with Jesus and Jesus will give you some friends who will stick with you as you're going through things. But you got to stop being a baby. You got to stop being a little, a little weakling in the body of Christ. We got to grow up. <laughs> we do. We got to live the gospel. Okay, I'm just going to say it because this is funny at this moment. Look right here. Go off, sis. <laughs> Go off, sis. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, like, it really, no, it really no. is the truth. It's like. You can't cry like, about everything. You 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 can't cry about everything and you got to stop. And, and can I just be honest with you? The reason some of you care how much other people Ugh. like you is because you don't like you. Yes. You don't like you yes. because people who like themselves. I Listen, it's one of the things I love about Jordan. So a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, you're going to remember this. Um, Jordan is at school. Sydney and, and Kanan, who are a grade below her, are at school too, right? And they, they're not sure, but they think somebody's talking about Jordan, right? 
Baby, they get all up in arms. They about to toss these girls up out the cafeteria. Jordan literally looks at them and says, I don't care what they say about me. I don't get my value from them. And I was like, everybody should take my value comes from God. And here's the thing is that if you're, listen, the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. This is what Pastor Edwin said, but what the scripture says. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I don't want to be friends with nobody that you got to be like, well, you if you don't cuss, if you don't drink, if you don't think that I want to be your friend, I don't want to be with you. If someone says to you, which someone said to me one time, which was absolutely fine, they said, I don't invite you to some things because some of my other friends don't really live like that. And I don't want to make I don't want you to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. How about you don't ever invite me to anything again? Because if that's the case, I'm never going to diminish my behavior in order to fit in with your friends. And I think sometimes what we're willing to do is to compromise that in order to be socially accepted. Let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. How child, about let me out? Child, please. No, really. And it's just, I remember this, this is a story from college and it, it's a little graphic, but I'm telling it because I think it speaks to it. One Friday night, there wasn't anything going on in, on campus and we all get invited to somebody's room and they say, hey, we're going to watch a movie. So I go because we're going to watch <laughs> well, a know, movie, right? And they, so we watch this one movie, which is a real movie. And then they say, no, let's watch porn. I don't try to judge them in any way. I just say at this point, I'm going to go ahead and go back to my room. Um, you can watch this porn with us. I don't want to. So literally, we're in a dorm. I leave the room. I say, good night. I'll see y'all tomorrow at breakfast. I'm walking down the hall and my friend is screaming at me. Sean Dennis, you think you better than us. You think you better than us. I actually don't think I'm better than you, but I won't compromise my standard for you not to think that I think I'm mm -hmm. better than you. I took myself right on back to my room, probably watched some Perry Mason or something, and went on to bed. I don't care. And I think this is the thing that people have to understand where you have to grow up. And I get that it's a growing up process because I did grow up in this, is that sometimes it is not what you say that exposes people is that you don't do it mm -hmm. so what they want is they say I, I had a friend one time I noticed I said had a friend one time and she said to me when I call you I don't want to talk to Pastor Sean I want to talk to Sean well, they the same person. They the same person. They the same person. And if in in the fact that you think they're two different people, tell me you don't really know me. Tell me you don't really know me. Right. No, I'm the same person. Right. All my friends know this. We laugh and joke. We play all this different stuff. But I got things I'm just not going with. That doesn't mean I think I'm perfect. It means that I am committed to living godly character more times than not. Because right? what I want to do is I want to hate evil and love good. Mm -hmm. I want to pay attention to the company that I'm keeping. And I want to make sure I'm developing the perseverance so that even if they walk away, I'm staying with God. I'm staying with God. Those right? are the three things we want to do in order to make sure that we are exhibiting godly character. I love what Dexter just said, though. He said, I don't think I'm better than you. I do think I am better than that activity. Absolutely. Now, that's the thing Absolutely. right there. That can be all the people who have trouble answering people. I don't think I'm better than you, but I do think I'm better than that, that activity. Mm -hmm. There is your standard answer right there. Anytime somebody tries to get you yep. to go into some place, you are not you are not interested in going. I don't think I'm better than you. 
I do think I am better than that activity, which is why I will not be participating in that activity. Mm, amen. Amen. What? No, I know what you no, amen. Babe, amen. no, babe. No, amen. Does this seem I, I, I think that's great. No, babe. Amen. No, babe. I think that's no, great. What you no, saying, no, babe? Because I know, I think that I know is what great. you're thinking. I like that statement. I don't think I'm better than you. I do think I'm better than that activity. That is that is a great statement. I love it. That, no, mm -mm, you're not pulling me in. <laughs> Does this seem familiar to you? Some of you have already said it. Pastor Ellen taught us this last year. What? Tame your thoughts. Yep, you tame tame your tone. Yep. Tame your temperament and tame your team. Absolutely. Some of you struggle with sin because your team is janky. Yep. But you keep them around because it's easier than the standard. Mm. You keep them around because it's easier than the standard. Amen. Let's try to get to more courage, baby. You take cool. that one. So one of the things we talked about here, the first thing we talked about was obviously this idea of exhibiting godly character. Once you understand how to exhibit this godly character, how to have it formed and developed in you, then the next part of that scripture we read in Ephesians talked about the display of moral courage. What is moral courage? Let's define that. Moral courage is considered to be the pinnacle of ethical behavior. It is the pinnacle of ethical behavior. It requires for you to have a steadfast commitment to fundamental ethical principles, despite the potential risk of having those principles, such as threats to your reputation, fact that you may be shamed, there may be some emotional anxiety that comes with it, isolation from colleagues, which we just talked about, people willing to retaliate against you, and even the loss of employment, meaning you got to be able to stand in doing the right thing regardless of what comes around you. And so many people give in to the potential risk. So many people give Jeez. in to the threat of their reputation. So many people give in to the fact that somebody's going to shame them and talk about them because they're not part of the in group because y'all all went on vacation and everybody got drunk, but you didn't. You are square. People give in to the emotional anxiety of having to be by themselves. But the reality of it is some of you ought to spend some time with yourself. Because then you would really realize you don't like yourself a whole lot. And then you could fix it so you would like yourself. So then when you have to be by yourself, you don't see it as being traumatic. You also got to understand that isolation from your colleagues is not always a bad thing. Your environment is always working on you. And if you, got a, a, if you have a poor environment, then that poor environment will then in turn work against you. Uh, and then you also have to understand that, that, that people may try to retaliate against you, but the Bible says that if God be for you, who can be against you? So when you have exhibited this godly character, when you're developing this moral courage, then you realize I got the strength to do what's right no matter what. I'm doing what's right. When you talked about how you got up out of that room and walked down the hallway and said, I'm not doing this. This is against what I believe is right. And it goes against my moral standards and compass. Now, you think you better than us. No, I don't think I'm better than you, but I'm better than this activity. Good answer, and then you babe. walked away. Good answer, babe. <laughs> Good answer, babe. I'll tell y'all one day my response to that, but not today. <laughs> Come to the fire conference when he teach. I'm sure he'll say it. Again. He almost <laughs> always say it to my to the uh, when he's teaching um, the women. Uh, but no, most believers, if we're honest, don't have moral courage. It's not being mean. 
It's not being mean because I can tell you I don't agree with your behavior. I can tell you I'm not participating in your behavior without being mean. Yeah. Now, it may feel mean to you. We were having this conversation the other day and I was saying, here's the challenge that I think is just really dangerous where we've gotten into this world is that in an attempt to make you comfortable, mm. I'm supposed to be uncomfortable. Mm. So if it makes you comfortable for me to drink, I'm supposed to be uncomfortable. Mm. If it makes you comfortable to be able to bring your boyfriend around me when you have a husband, I'm supposed to be uncomfortable mm. with that because the only way I can show you love is to compromise my integrity because you only feel love if I'm willing to co-sign right. what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm not with it. Absolutely. I'm not with it. And Jesus is not with it. That's right. And it's just not how we represent the kingdom. Now, I'm saying when we're having moral courage, moral courage should be based in love. It should be. It should be based in love. In, in, in your love for God. Love for you, God. You should have more love for God. That love for God should encourage you to display the courage in spite of all the potential risk. I love what Kim said. She said, co-signing your sin is not love. It's not. Co-signing your sin Absolutely is not love. Not. And it's so interesting because we were having these conversations because Lord knows everything happened on TikTok, every scenario you could think of. And you ask about this. But the reality of it is, is that I, if you are my friend and you are married, you are not ever bringing someone you are messing with to sit and have dinner with oh, me. Right, right. You're never doing that. Right. Um, if you are my friend, if you are my child, you are never staying in my house together shacking. You're not. If you are my kid, I'm not giving you money knowing that you do drugs. Right. It's just it. there ought to be a righteous standard. It ought to be a righteous standard. And I believe that one of the manipulations of the enemy is to make us think that in this compromise, we're winning people. Mm -hmm. And if you look around over society over the last 25 years, we're not winning people with compromise. I love it. You know, one of the things I saw in the comment, Nitra made a comment. She said that her child is eight. And when she tells her child no about something, her child says, you're mean. That's a level of immaturity to think that every time someone says no, talking about not everybody, when God says no, that somehow God's being mean to us. And it reminded me of the scripture that we're going to here in 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and 13 in the Amplified, right? It literally goes along with what she just said. It says for us to be alert and to be on guard. It says stand firm in your faith in God, respecting his precepts and keeping our doctrine sound, right? Act like what? Mature men or mature individuals and be what? Courageous and then do what? Grow in your strength. He says, no, listen, learn to, I mean, we be talking about this and we say it with such vernacular, but it's true. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. You have to grow up in the body. If you're going to display more courage, it's going to require you to grow up. Why? Because you're going to have to face those potential risks. You're going to have to face the threats of your reputation, emotional anxiety, isolation from colleagues, retaliation, and maybe even a loss of something like a job or a position or, or a status. You have to be willing to say, I'm willing to let all of that go to keep my standard of living for God. Absolutely. You know, Daniel gives us a great example of mm. that. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Literally, 
They, the, if you read the scripture, and this is what should be said about us, all of us, when they're looking and plotting against Daniel, they say the only way we can find offense in him is if we go at it about his God. Mm -hmm. They say Daniel is a person of integrity. Daniel has godly character. Daniel's going to do the right thing. So the only chance we have of time, of time, of, of creating a snare and a trap for Daniel is through his God. So they get the king mm -hmm. to then say that for the next 30 days, they can only bow and pray to the king. And what does Daniel do? He go right in his room with his window open. And when it's time to pray, as is his Jewish standard, he doesn't close his curtain. He doesn't go in the bathroom. He get down on his knees the way he has always gotten on his knees. And he prays to his God. He displayed moral, moral courage. courage. He knew that there were potential risks. He knew what it would do to his reputation. He knew what it would bring upon his family. He had, even though we tell that story like Daniel didn't care. Daniel had some emotional anxiety about it because he's a human being, but he didn't let it stop him from opening that window. No, he I think that's so he, good. He didn't let it stop him from praying. We tell it like he a superhero. He was a man who understood the king had the authority to take his life, but he displayed more courage. He knew that he could be taken out of his position, the loss of a job. He knew that it could be uh, uh, isolation from, from the rest of the people. He understood that, but he opened those windows up. He prayed like what's his custom. He even went so far as to suffering the consequences of being thrown into the lion's den. But what did he say? He said, I know my God can rescue me. I know he can. But if he don't. I ain't gonna bow down to you. I ain't gonna bow down. <laughs> I'm to not you. gonna lose my moral courage. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my moral courage to save my life. Mm. And because Daniel opened his mouth, the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. And there, and really the truth of it is, is that there are just times where there may seem that lions mm. are coming against you. It may seem that people have set every trap that they want, that, that it looks like a plot to come against you. But the Lord will defend you because greater is he that is in you that is he that's in the world. And many people never get to see the deliverance of the Lord because you won't stand in moral courage. You won't stand so in moral courage. You, you don't give God a chance to show up. You don't give God a chance to mm. show up. You don't give God a chance to mm. show up. And it's just, and even this, it's mm. not that you, it, it, it's not just that people, people switch from moral courage to bravado. And so now you go get with somebody. Now you go show them that they don't have to talk about you like that. And then you're still getting out of godly character in order to do it. Mm. Man, there is just a way that God expects us to live. Mm -hmm. And I believe we owe God. We owe God and we owe all of the people that are still mm -hmm. lost. It is so dis it is so disheartening for me. Um, we were having this conversation where Pastor Edwin just says to me, you know, I and it's true, I want I want the whole world to be saved today. For the day is over, I want everybody to be saved. I hate to see people tormented. I hate to see people on their way to hell. But I certainly hate to see the church showing up with such a spirit of compromise that when people come for deliverance, they learn. Um, we were watching a video, I don't remember the names of the 
people, but the lady was talking about how she had had this powerful deliverance um, from same-sex attraction. She had been witnessing the people. She had built this in this ministry and stuff. And then she got invited to join her ministry and bring it under somebody else's because they said they had the same goal. And she said it was the pastors on the leadership team that literally were offended because she didn't drink. They were offended because she didn't do the things that she did when she had such a commitment to God. Yeah, they, they were literally offended that she was living the life they all preached about, but didn't all live. She was, they were offended they by were that. Offended. But she said something that I thought was so good. She said one of the things that God told her yep. that a key to her freedom was sobriety. Yep. That if she wanted to stay free, and I think, and and, and this is, we're, we're not going to get into the other two, but I think that this is important right here. In order to stay free, in order to live free, there are going to be boundaries that the Lord gives us. And let me be clear, the boundary he gives you, someone else may can go beyond that boundary and it doesn't impact them. That's why you need to be concerned with what God says to you. God may say to you, don't do X. That doesn't become a proclamation for the entire world. Unless, and I'm not talking about like when he says fornicating. Right. You know, but he may say to you, you know, you are not to touch a drop of alcohol. That doesn't mean that if someone drinks alcohol and they don't get drunk and they have a glass of wine, it may be okay for them. But if God has said to you, the key to your deliverance is not to touch X, you better not touch X. Because if you touch X, it opens a door for all of that stuff to come back into your life. No, it really doesn't. I was reading another story about a man who had a lust issue and he had been delivered from it, right? And so he was single and he traveled and he preached a lot. And y'all, do y'all know what he did every place he traveled? He took a church mother. Yeah. He took a church mother to every city. Yep. He didn't take his best friend. He didn't take his boy. He took a church mother. Why? Because he know missionary Sanford ain't playing that. And missionary Sanford gonna make sure he in that room. And if he if he get to acting like he want to do something, she gonna put some oil on his head and lay hands on him yep. for the next 12 hours. And what I say to people is that when people really want to be free, when people really want to live in alignment with God, they will allow the boundaries and not see them as a prison. What did we say last week or two weeks ago? We said that if you really want to live free, you have to be willing to set up boundaries in your life. Yes. You have to be able to say, yeah, Holy Spirit is a keeper, but he's a keeper for those that want to be kept. He'll keep you if you want to be kept. But you got to want to be kept. If you don't want to be kept, you won't set up boundaries in your life. And if you don't set up certain boundaries in your life, you'll find yourself going further than you want to go. I think that's really interesting because when you used to travel a lot, right? I used to ask you, why did you all, if you weren't with your team, why did you always eat you dinner always in your room? I'd be like, that. babe, why are you always in your room? Finally, and, and, one day you was like, babe, you don't know what these hotel streets is like. I'm in my room because I need to be in my room. Hear me when I tell you. I I, I tried for the longest not to even bring it up. I was like, I was just like, I just like to eat in my room. You're like, why don't you go down and socialize? Why aren't you at the restaurant? Eat? I'm like, because you know I'd have been down there socializing. I'm I mean, like, just... babe, here's why. Because I travel all over this country. I actually see some of the same people on different flights in different cities. And I, I talk to them. 
I know they married, but I see who they talk to at the restaurant and I see them go back to their rooms together. In these traveling streets of business salesmen, people have other families on the road. I ain't trying to get caught up. I ain't trying to think that I'm so developed, that I'm so, I'm so everything, that, that, that if, I, if I meet a baddie downstairs in the restaurant, I won't end up in some bad situation. So I get my burger and I get my fries and I get my drink and I eat in my room. You know why? Because it sets up boundaries. And you was like, oh, oh okay. okay. I was like, that's why okay. I eat in my room. Well, and, that's, up, and that's real then I'm time. like, why you ain't in your room? <laughs> Get your tail in your room right now. Like, that's real talk. And I think it's the thing. It's like, do we, do we honor God enough to say, do we honor God? Do we honor the relationships that we have enough? Do we honor God enough to be honorable? Yes. To be honorable. Right. And I love it's the the Bible tells us in Romans 12 and three. Um, don't what's it, I just lost. Don't think more highly of, of yourself than you ought to. Mm -hmm. And over 22 years of ministry, I have watched people slide back into sin because they thought more highly of themselves than they ought to. People think that somehow you're not as spiritual if you say what I just said which is I don't ever overestimate myself. I, I hope that I would never do that. But the moment you start to say, I'll never do that, is exactly when you fall into it. As long as I always think there's an opportunity for me to be flawed, I guard against being flawed. And I think that's what people don't realize. They go, oh, I would I wouldn't dare say uh, that I could fall into adultery. But in, in the moment you say that, You've now opened the door for everything to come your way. You forget about the boundaries and everything you need to set up in your life. So I set those boundaries up in my life so I don't succumb to them. I love what Chris says. I am not exempt from temptation. Nobody. We is. are not exempt from temptation and we need boundaries. And I tell you something else that I think is so. I have watched people give God their whole life get delivered from diseases, get delivered from bad prognosis, get their mind back, be so thankful and so dedicated to God. And then they forget that God did it. And then they go back out in the streets. In their and own strength. In their own strength. And a worse thing happens to Absolutely. them. Now, I want to end with this right here because I think that this really goes mm -hmm. to this point because we're talking about boundaries and stuff like this, right? I think that one of the challenges with a lot of believers is that they don't understand that deliverance does not mean that you are never tempted. Come on. A lot of believers think that if I'm really delivered, I'm not going to be tempted. If I'm really delivered, I am going to put boundaries in my life that help me avoid falling into temptation. And that doesn't make me weak. And it, it makes People me strong. People think that makes them weak. It doesn't make you weak to put a boundary in your life. I can't stress that to people enough. That does not make you weak. It's like saying you're weak because you lock your door at night. You lock your door at night because you don't know what's going to come down that street and try to get into your house. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you smart. So I lock, I lock my life up so that things on the outside of my life can't come in and tear my life up. Is your life locked up? Friend? Is your life locked up? Friend, is your life locked up?
Or is your door just open with any and everything? You have to understand that some of you, if you are, if your goal is to be celibate, and not to have sex Man, before listen. you before you get married and you've already had sex and you already know the pleasure of having sex, then there are some music, some movies, and some principles you have to have in your life. Your life needs to be on lock. If you know that you are prone to fight, then there are some boundaries you have to have in your life. If you know that you love smoking weed, there are some boundaries you have to have in your life. The truth of it is, is that in every situation, it is not going to be that you just don't desire the thing anymore. It is going to be that you desire Jesus more. So you, think about this, guys. And then you it doesn't, develop that self-control. But it doesn't even make sense that true deliverance would mean that there would never be a desire? Because if so, why would he tell us to crucify our flesh? Daily. Daily. Crucify our flesh. And while the enemy is not all-knowing, and while the enemy is not omniscient and omnipresent, what the enemy is, is good as having intel to study what has gotten you caught up before. Yeah. So what the enemy does is that as soon as you put your guard down, he brings somebody or something to tempt you with the thing. It's only... Guys, it's only temptation because it's something you want. That's, that's, it can only be temptation because it's something that you want. Do you understand that? I don't smoke. I have never been a cigarette smoker. T cigarettes don't tempt me. They only tempt the person who has had a desire to smoke or has smoked. So if you like tall, dark, and handsome, is he? the devil is not going to bring you short and round. Why? Because that is not the thing that tempts you. But what he will do, he will bring you food because he knows that's how you comfort yourself. He will bring you office because he knows that's how you comfort yourself. He will bring you um, a sneaky link because he knows that's how you comfort yourself. And you got to be smart enough to say, you have to be smart enough to say, because I love God. Because I don't want to dishonor him. There are some situations I'm not going to put myself in. <laughs> what? No, it's true. It's, I just, I, you know. Because Nietzsche what? said, oh, Mr. Elba, don't tempt her. <laughs> she ain't tempted by old Mr. Elba. And, and, unless she like a old Mr. Elba. And then she tempted. Then she, and that's why I was laughing because the devil knows what we like. We think he doesn't. He knows what we like. And you have to put them, as you say, them boundaries in you your life. You got to put them boundaries in your life, man, for real. You got to put this them boundaries sense? Okay, listen, we're about to wrap up, but tell me what you're taking from this, right? Because, see, if I don't live like something, and people, are you, and, and this is the truth, but, but let's be honest, guys. If part of the reason that people ask me for advice it's because of how I live my life. Mm -hmm. If I get on Facebook tomorrow and I cuss, y'all might pray for me. But if a month from now I cuss like y'all cuss, I share what y'all share, y'all ain't gonna ask me for no advice about God living because you'll be like, Pastor Sean, done come on out here with us. And it's like some of you, you want people to esteem you for having godly character that you don't have. Mm. 
You want people to see you as being wise, but when you're with your friends and when your hair is down, you curse, you look at the same jokes, you play with the same stuff, and then you wonder why, and many of you are like, why won't my family let me witness to them? You don't live like nothing. You don't live like nothing. And that's the truth that some of you need to hear. Your family is not interested in you witnessing to them because they don't see any Jesus in you. Because at the family reunion, when people turn up and start fussing and cussing, you be right up in the mix fussing and cussing too. At your job, when somebody's talking about the boss and undermining the company, you right up in there talking about it too. If you want people to be able to see you as a witness. It is not just what you do when pressure isn't on. It's how you respond in the midst of pressure. Absolutely. It's in the midst of pressure. And you have to understand, you know, my big thing probably is if, if I were, it would be anger and going off about something. And I really have had to learn to work on what I say when I'm angry. Mm -hmm. So I don't lose my witness when I'm angry. Not clapping back on people. Because mm -hmm. I, I I got a quick comeback. Slick mouth. What? Mm -hmm. No, I'm saying some people have slick Who, mouth. What? Some people have slick mouth. People, and, they, and they come back quick. <laughs> people need to tell their own stories here today. That's what people need to do. People yeah, yeah, need I'm to just tell saying, their some, some people, not you. Specifically, <laughs> but some people have a slick mouth and they come back real quick. Mud ear, get your son. <laughs> okay. So, but but I'm saying I know that. So I practice great restraint. You will even even in play. Mm -hmm. I practice great restraint, not saying the first thing that comes up right. because then in a pressure situation, I don't have that self-control. Amen. You know, we talked about this idea about, around godly character. You know, we're going to stop here today. I think it's a good stopping point. Stop but, point. but we've talked, how are we going to live out this gospel? How are we going to live it out? And one of the things we said was we got to get to the point where we can exhibit this godly character. Yes. Right? And a part of exhibiting that godly character is learning how to hate what God hate and love what God loves, which is to hate evil and love good, right? We talked about how we got to pay attention uh, to the company that we keep. We got to tame our thoughts. We got to tame our team. We got to tame our temperament. And we got to tame uh, our, our, what was our tongue? Our thoughts, our thoughts, our tongue, temperament. our temperament, and our team. Yeah, we got to tame those things. And then we talked about the fact that we got to develop that perseverance. We got to be able to go through some things. And then lastly, displaying this moral courage. And I think that this thing right here, they're not in any order, but this displaying of moral courage, I think we're going to have an opportunity to really see this show up in our lives. Mm -hmm. There are going to be opportunities for us to decide are we going to do what we know, not what we think, what we know is right? Are we going to do what this thing God's telling us to do? Or are we going to go with the crowd? And I think before the rest of this year is over, we're going to really get a chance for us to see that individually. And so God can show us so we know what we're made of. So I think we need to purpose in our heart mm -hmm. right now that we're going to align with God. Yep. That should be the covenant that we're yeah. going to. Listen, maybe I you want to pray over that today that, before we leave. Well, I, I, I actually I, lay hands on the hands <laughs> You know what, Street? <laughs> Can y'all pray for y'all, Pastor? Do y'all pray for y'all, Pastor? I mean, beside the prayer team, do anybody pray for this dude? Okay, listen, but I do have some things I specifically want to pray for, so okay. I'm glad for everybody who stayed. I want to know, CJ, are you still on here? And um, Miss Brenda, are you still on here? 
So if you're still on here, let me know. And I just want to, I want to prophesy over you as you get ready to give your offering today. And this is for everybody, Amen. right? And I want to, I want to prophesy to you on what the Lord was saying to me yesterday as I was walking. I love that people say, I'm going to align with God. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to align with God. I love right? that. I'm going to align with God. I'm going, I'm going to align with God. Listen, let me tell you something for those of you who will honor God. The spirit of the Lord said he's going to greatly honor you. Amen. For those of you who will honor God, he is going to greatly honor you. And the Bible says no man giving up houses, land, brother and sister shall not in this lifetime receive a hundredfold with persecution, mm -hmm. but the hundredfold. Mm -hmm. And so for the people in our part, if, if, if you consider yourself to be a partner, you consider us to be your pastors, then I want to see your hand because I want to make a proclamation mm -hmm. over you. Mm -hmm. The release of everything that is owed mm -hmm. to you. I receive that. The release of everything. everything. But I want to see this first. So I need to see the people who like, yes, I'm a partner. Yes, you are my pastor. Yes, yes, we believe that you you have a word for our lives, right? So I see Miss Brenda Jones and I need everybody to do me a favor while we're waiting on these people who say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a partner and all of this stuff. As I was walking yesterday, the Lord told me to publicly decree and declare breakthrough to your house. Amen. And so we publicly decree and declare breakthrough to Brenda Jones' house. Amen. We publicly decree and declare breakthrough to Brenda Jones house. And we declare that everything that has been holding up your breakthrough, that has been interfering, that has been trying to discourage you, that has been trying to keep you make even the whispers that says, what's the point in kid continuing to get up for prayer? What's the point in continuing to come when nothing happens and nothing breaks through for me? We speak breakthrough to your life mm -hmm. and we curse every assignment against your forward progress in the name of Jesus and we command a release in your life if you pray in the spirit I need you praying over Miss Brenda I need you releasing some of you may feel led to sow seeds into her life this day but we are speaking breakthrough in your life and the Lord told me to encourage you and to say to you that you may not have seen as much as you want to see, but if you go back and check the record, you will see that the hand of God has been with you and more is coming. Amen. And I think it's so important because sometimes there are people and they're doing everything they know to do, but they're fighting things. I don't think she has cash app. I oh, think she okay. only has okay. PayPal. And so if you give me a second, I can look and tell you what that is. But I think that there are times that there are people and they really are trying to do everything they know, but they're fighting against more than they know that they're fighting for. And so he told me to publicly tell Amen. you that he sees your, he faithfulness, sees your faithfulness, he sees your commitment, and he has not abandoned you. He is going to give you some instructions. He may have already given them to you. You need to do what the Lord is telling Man, you because breakthrough is about to visit your house. Amen. Amen. So, all right. Hallelujah. All right. So she has, she has PayPal. If anybody wants to be a blessing to her today, Pastor Edwin is going to put it in the comment and then they'll put it on the screen. See, sometimes people just need to know that they are seen. Because one of the time, one sometimes what the enemy tries to do to people, guys, is he tries to wear them out with time. Mm. Is that if he can just delay the process, 
if he can just delay it, if it can just look like it's one thing. And and if you're in a situation, you like, I feel like Miss Brenda. Wait, I don't know if that's right. That doesn't look right. Is that it doesn't have anything else at the end, like a dot com or something? If they go to PayPal, they oh, should be oh, just pull okay. it up. If All they right. go to PayPal, they should just be descended by using okay. Brenda Jones 511. Okay. But Miss Brenda, if if you um if you can put your email address for their those. So for other people who may be feeling that. Listen, this is not the time for you to get upset and say, well, why Miss Brenda and not me? This is your time to say, if God is doing it for Miss Brenda, he's doing it for me too. He's doing it for me too. All right. Tanetta says it's her first time listener. Enjoyed mm -hmm. your teaching this morning. I will surely attend again. Come on, come girl. On. Come on back. To come back. Right. We welcome you too. So Thank now you. as you give your seed this morning, I want to make a, a, a proclamation, a blessing proclamation. And I want to be very, very clear. Everybody knows this. Very rarely do I give a blanket blessing. Those of you who are willing and obedient, mm. willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Amen. Your 2022 will end better than it started. Amen. Increase is in your house. You are blessed and highly favored. Your body is healed. Your mind is sane. Favor does go before it you. Does. And everything, even now, everything that is interfering with what God has said in your life, we send the fire of God to burn it up and to destroy it and to get out of your way. And if that is you and you've been like, listen, I received this, you ought to begin to give God some praise right now. When you sow your seed today, you ought to say, "It's your seed ought to say today, it's already done. It is a done deal. We declare for our covenant partners, you will not be denied. And what God has declared Glory over your life in 2022, Amen. it shall be seen. We release the houses. We release the jobs. We release the children being restored. We release the turned around doctor's report. Mm -hmm. We release the peace in your mind. We release it now in Jesus name. And if you believe it, you need to give God some praise. But here's the most important thing you need to do. You need to settle that it's done before you see it. It's done. You need to settle that it's done. it's done. You need to prophesy September's getting better. October's getting better. November's getting better. December's getting better. It, it, you, you've got to break up with this. It's coming. You've got to break up with, I don't understand why it's here. You got to open your mouth and say, it is done. It is done. The Lord was challenging me yesterday about faith because I was thinking about Ralph reading the um the, um, the prophetic word. word of the year, right? And he was like, no prophecy is activated until the people receive it as done. Yeah. No prophecy is activated until the people receive it as done. Because God is always speaking that word back to us. Back to us. It's already done. He's speaking it back to us. It's back to us. So that is our prayer for you today. If you want to be a partner, you can go ahead and um and, and they'll give you the Listen, information. Listen, they are declaring it is done. No, it is done. You got to see this. You got to start engaging with your kids like they're already delivered and living for the Lord. You got to start engaging with your money as though you already have enough. You got to stop looking at stuff saying, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how we're going to make it. You got to open your mouth and say, God is my provider. I love it. Chris said a September, October, November, and December to remember. It is done. You got to start expecting to go to the doctor's report. To I got a testimony yesterday. 
I'm going to just read it to y'all right quick as you get ready to give. Could you put the information up there? Um, this lady Which sent um, the giving information. Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. This lady sent me a message yesterday. She said, hey, Pastor Sean, healing testimony. We prayed for our vision in healing school a few days ago. I honestly didn't think anything else about it. I went for my eye checkup on Thursday. The doctor said, oh, your eyes are getting better. My prescription is weaker than before. Last year, my eye pressure was high. Now my pressure is in the normal range. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I love that even though she still got a prescription, she didn't minimize what God was doing in her life. See, you got to learn that if you're believing for $100,000 and you get 1000 that you say, God, I thank you for what you've done. You've got to learn that if you're believing God for your eyes to get better and it only improves a little bit, you say, God, I thank you for what you've done. You got to believe God. God, that if you're believing to fill up your gas tank, but your gas just somehow keep making it, that you say, I thank you that it's already done. Stop complaining about what you don't think you have and give God praise for what he has done. Glory because the more you praise him for what he has done, the more you will see what he has done. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We have everything we need. We have everything we need. We have everything we need. I, I, I need the 70 of y'all who still left here to say that we have everything that we need. We have all the wisdom. We have all of the favor. We have all of the provision. We have all of the insight. We need a house. We have that. We need a car. We have that. We need gas. We need new tires. We have everything. Glory that we need. to God. We have everything, we, have everything we, we need. And everything that tries to come up against you for the rest of your life, I want you to look at it and say, I have everything, everything I need. Yes. I have everything I need. I'm telling you, for those of you who will settle this, you are going to see the breakthrough because you are going to come out of agreement with the devil and stop allowing how he's playing with your circumstances to make you think God is withholding something from you. God is not withholding anything from you. You have everything you need. Mm -hmm. Come on, give God some praise. That is so good. I have every. Look, they, I know they're gonna type that. I have. Every, I, have I have everything I need. You got some bills in your house. You're not sure how you go pay them. Go grab them and say, "I have everything that I need." And watch God give you a solution, a plan, a breakthrough. I have everything I need. I love it. I have everything. I, I have need. everything I need. Now, listen, next Sunday, we're going to have the healing school and um, at the huddle. Pastor Edwin told me we were going to be teaching about healing. So I want to encourage you twofold. One, if you need healing, come. Two, if you want to be proficient at learning how to take a risk, because I notice I didn't say proficient in healing people, because all we do is take the risk. Job. All we do is take the risk. OK, but if you want to learn how to take a risk, then come. But I'm telling you. And number three, if you want, if you say, well, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to take a risk. I don't know if I'm ready, to, but you say, you know what? I want to have my faith increased by seeing healing because truly growing up in the church, I didn't realize that's what really increased my faith. Seeing it happen so often, seeing Elder Anderson, uh, Bishop Anderson now pray for people and seeing people get healed and delivered and physical, physical knots falling off of people and people who couldn't walk, get up out of wheelchairs. When you see that over and over, it becomes something that is the norm. It becomes the norm. And so if you it's like, you know, I ain't never been in the service where nobody got healed. Then come on up here next week and watch and see. And watch and see. <laughs> Join us at FOC, September 25th at 11 a.m. 
on our campus for the hub. And I just want to testify about how far God has brought me. One of the very first times that we had an opportunity to pray for healing in our church, it was you, not me. And this girl, <laughs> th th this girl was like, uh, she was like, um, Pastor Edwin, church was almost over. Pastor Edwin, I got a prayer request. I'm like, who don't let people have a mic? Don't let them have a mic. And she says, my friend, he is, um, he is a um, minute. He has been diagnosed with meningitis and they say that he is going to die and he is not going to live. And you were so confident. You said he will live in Jesus name. He will not die. I was like, oh, pastor, you doing a lot. Because it was her friend's baby. It was her friend's baby. She said the baby had spinal meningitis. I don't know who was spinal meningitis. All I know. And I know because Elder and it was funny though. I mean, I think about I, I know the story you're talking about specifically because I specifically remember the time where Bishop Anderson prayed for a kid with spinal meningitis. I prayed what he prayed. I was like, hey, he prayed the kid got healed. Well, girl, your, your friend, baby, is going to be healed. This baby was so confident. <laughs> I was like, now I ain't grow up in no church with no bunch of healing. I was like, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. That girl came back next time. She Sunday. was excited when she got the word. She, she was. was. She was like, yes. I was he's nervous. to be healed. I was nervous. And then she came back, what, a couple Sundays later or whatever it was and said that the, they had taken the baby home. The doctor said he couldn't explain what had happened, but the spinal meningitis was gone. I was like, girl, I told you. I know. I know. I know. But I want to say to the person who sometimes prays with, with fear and trembling, one of my favorite stories is a healing, which is why God just needs your obedience. He okay. Your obedience. We were at, uh, we were in Conway and this, and we, I was doing some practice healing that day. I was teaching our kids how to activate in healing. And it just so happened that the person I was supposed to pray for had broke her foot. And I just thought we couldn't start with a headache. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm just gonna go in faith. That girl had she had a boot on. She was so excited. She was like, I'm ready, Pastor Sean. Pray for my ankle. And I was like, Lord have mercy. All right, God. And I think I probably said something honestly, like, do it, Jesus. Because really, that's all I got. That child came to church in her heels the next week. She said by the time she got home, her foot had stopped hurting. By the time she went, she was a nurse. So she went back and had them to do an x-ray. The fracture in her foot was closed up and all of that stuff. So I say to you as a person that really you don't have to have faith in your faith. You just got to have faith in your God. Amen. And the prayer is because you believe God, not because you believe your faith is so great. Amen. Now, before Amen. we go, you may not, but you mentioned... Uh, Miss Brenda and you missing CJ. So I don't know if he's still on I don't on think CJ's still on. But I'm I know, tell him, okay, you want to tell him I tell him personally. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just didn't want to forget. No. Okay. So, all right. Well, we love y'all. Share this with everybody. Um, sow your seed today. This is your increase seed. We have everything that we need. Live for we God. We have everything we need. Live for God. It is not a loss to live for God. He not. blesses those that live for him. Display he that more courage. Yes. <laughs> live yes. for God. All right. We love y'all. Y'all have right. a great week. See y'all next week. Okay. Bye-bye.